Hey, I'm Steve Folland. How are you doing? Welcome to another one. This episode of Being Freelance is supported by Freelancer Magazine, helping you grow a freelance business you love. Inspirational stories from freelancers around the world. Freelancer-specific business advice, practical tips, trends, events, lifestyle features. Freelancers across 25 countries are already subscribed to Freelancer Magazine. Make yourself one of them. Get to freelancermagazine.co.uk. There's a digital version, but... Get those sweet glossy pages in your hand. And right now, let's find out what it's like being freelance for health copywriter Louise Shanahan. It was a job that I hadn't done before and I hadn't run a business before. So it was all completely new, but it was just such an exciting adventure. And I just felt like, I don't know, there was just this really strong feeling, the sense that I think I can make this work. So just jumped for it in the end. I think we should be sharing our story as freelancers because, you know, we, we should be thinking of, of ourselves as businesses, but ultimately people are hiring us because of who we are. Sharing your story helps people connect with you and find different things in common. I didn't really have that imposter syndrome because I was genuinely talking about things that I knew about. So it made the marketing much easier, makes decision making a lot easier. And yeah, I think because you're able to come across as an expert, because you you basically are an expert in that one very niche thing, you can charge more. So yes, there's Louise, who is a health copywriter. Her story coming up. She's also the host of 15 Minute Freelancer, which we'll talk about. It's a very good podcast. Recommend it. Obviously not right now. Listen to this one first. But then afterwards, go find it. If you've not heard it before, launched um, back in 2020. And as the name suggests, of short episodes, I think you'll enjoy. So yeah, her story coming up in a moment. Don't forget, you're not alone being freelance. You'll be amazed. So many people who join the Being Freelance community say that, you know, they feel isolated. They miss the company of working for a company. Well, that's okay. Come find us at the Being Freelance community. Uh, There's a link at beingfreelance.com as well as hanging out on a daily basis, supporting each other, having a laugh, cheering each other on, asking questions, all of that. Uh, We also have the book club. We have the mastermind. We have the odd quiz here and there. We have the weekly award show. And if you need it, if you're a new freelancer, there is a course for you to get stuck into as well. So yeah, come find us. All the links you need are at beingfreelance.com. Okay, let's crack on though. Head up to Scotland for this week's guest and that is health copywriter Louise Shanahan. Hey Louise. Hello, thank you for having me. <laughs> oh, thanks for doing this. Um as ever, how about we get started hearing how you got started being freelance? Okay, well, this is quite a long story. <laughs> oh, no, that's good because I've just made a cup of tea. So go for it. <laughs> good. Good. Get your biscuits out for this one. So I was actually a civil servant for 10 years before I started freelancing and in fact before I started copywriting so perhaps it wasn't the most obvious path to becoming a copywriter. When I finished uni like lots of people I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I had studied philosophy and international relations and I thought maybe philosophy would be a nice sensible career. And I decided that the best place to do that would be in the Netherlands. So I had my plan. I was going to go there, do a postgrad degree, see where I ended up after that. But just before I set off, I got diagnosed with thyroid cancer. So I had to put my plans on hold. Happily, you know, the treatment all worked out fine. I'm fine now. So that's all okay. But it did mean that I wasn't able to go and be an international Mm. woman of mystery or whatever. (laughs) 
So I ended up getting a temp job in government and then, you know, as it goes, turned into a permanent job. Gradually, I got promoted a few times. And before I knew it, it was like 10 years later and I was staring down this career that I felt like I hadn't really chosen. So I was starting to ask myself, is this really the path that I want to stay on? And, you know, obviously I'd had this health scare at quite a young age and I'd become really interested in health and fitness. I started weightlifting and running, got into the kale smoothies, all of that. And over the years, I started to think that working in that industry in health and fitness would be something that I would enjoy. Like maybe I could be a personal trainer or something. Um, but I felt that if I really wanted to help other people improve their health and well-being, then surely being in government is a good place to do that. You know, surely I can have a bigger impact by helping to implement policies that affect the entire population. So I was kind of dragging my heels about making a big change. I decided to do a master's in health policy and I moved into public health, still staying in government. I was specifically working on uh, physical activity and that kind of thing. So I was still able to pursue what I was interested in, but staying in the government and hopefully mm. having that bigger impact. But I still had this niggling feeling that I really wanted to do something else, to be in charge of my own destiny and not sitting in meetings all day. So I had these... This is why it's a long story. <laughs> I had these long commutes to work on the bus and I would listen to these personal development podcasts like the Tim Ferriss show and things like that and business books and... I got obsessed with the idea that you could actually decide what you do with your life. You're not stuck on a path. You don't have to be planning meetings for planning meetings for planning meetings uh, for another 20 years. You know, that was kind of what I was doing at that time. And it was what seemed to be on the cards for the rest of my career there. So I knew I wanted to work for myself. I wasn't really sure how. And so I kind of looked at my experience and my skills and my interests. You know, I had all this experience in health at this point. I had a lot of experience in writing and communicating health information and working with lots of different organizations on developing health behavior change strategies and that kind of thing. So somehow health copywriting just sort of hit me like a bolt of lightning. And I thought, oh, I could do that. That would be the perfect fit. And so that was about five or six years ago. And here we are. <laughs> wow. Um, but how did you go about getting those first clients were you still in your government job at the time no I wasn't I kind of made a slow transition I spent about a year kind of psyching myself up learning about copywriting doing a few copywriting courses saving as much money as possible so that I would have a buffer and then when I did finally make the jump I was able to take a career break at first so if it did turn out to be a total disaster I could always go back Although after a month or something, I was pretty sure that this was what I wanted to do. So I was very lucky to have quite a few different safety nets in there, which was extremely fortunate. So my first few clients were kind of people that I already kind of knew in those kind of health and third sector organizations and things like that. You know, people that I'd worked with uh, in my job in government who were looking for writers and things like that. So I was able to kind of use that network to begin with to get the first few clients. So, yeah, it was a bit of trial and error, but I had also given myself quite a big safety net as well. <laughs> so cool. And like, it's quite rare, you know, not to have done it alongside the other. The fact that you just took a clean break and then yeah. announced to the world, actually, this is what I'm going to do now. Yeah, I think I was, 
I was a bit paranoid about, you know, being in government, always following all the rules and wanting to make sure that there was no kind of conflict of interest. So I wanted to make sure there was a very clear cut between what I was mm-hmm. doing there and what I was going to do after that. But yeah, it was quite a jump because it was a job that I hadn't done before and I hadn't run a business before. So it was all completely <laughs> new, but it was just such an exciting adventure. And I just felt like, I don't know, there was just this really strong feeling, the sense that I think I can make this work. So, yeah, just jumped for it in the end. <laughs> How quickly did it take off for you? Like, was there a lot of sitting around wondering for a while? or um, Not really. I think it all happened pretty quickly. I had a couple of clients fairly early on. I posted something in a, on my Facebook page. I don't even use Facebook now but at the time it just shows you how you should just put yourself out there I posted just to my friends and family that I was going to be making this change and an old school friend got in touch and said oh guess what I work in a um, a marketing agency we should have a chat and so it just kind of showed me that oh okay so if I just keep telling people this is what I do eventually someone's going to get in touch and say this might be something that we could work together on Uh, so yeah I was quite lucky to get a couple of projects fairly early on that kept me busy I had this buffer so I wasn't too worried about the money initially and making an income and I just kind of used the projects that I did to begin with to start building my portfolio and just kind of grew it from there yeah you know if we were to go back and look at your website if you had a website Mm -hmm. back then like what would that have been like oh god I don't want to go back and look at it (laughs) I think um I think websites are always kind of a work in progress aren't they I always say this to clients not just to get them to keep working with me uh you have to keep going back and evolving what you're saying don't you and uh, changing your message for what you're doing now um do you know I can can barely even remember something very cringy very basic I think when I first started out because I'd kind of come from this idea that I might want to do something health and fitness related it was quite focused on that and then I quickly realized that actually that particular client group are maybe not the ones with the kind of budget to hire a copywriter and also I think the kind of people who have the sort of internal drive and discipline to turn their hobby into their profession also like to learn the different skills that are needed to run their business. So a lot of the personal trainers that I spoke to about copywriting were really interested in learning how to do the copywriting themselves. (laughs) Mm. So that was fun, but it wasn't that very quickly became apparent that it wasn't going to be a good route to go down in terms of finding clients interesting so actually the clients were more likely to be what like medical companies yeah that's right healthcare organizations um i do lots of work with biotech medical innovation medical device companies now which i'm quite lucky because not that many other people seem that interested in doing these jobs so that works out pretty well for me (laughs) and did you start reaching out to them I didn't really. I used a lot of LinkedIn for that. I posted a lot about what I was interested in, uh, sharing what was happening in the industry that I found interesting, talking about my process and previous projects that that I'd done and just kind of getting a few contacts. And I think because there aren't that many, or at least I haven't come across that many people that specialise just in this kind of copywriting it was quite easy to sort of stand out from everyone else. So if I had gone from government to copywriting, completely, like I wasn't a copywriter before that, so I was completely starting from scratch, to stand out amongst a, a, a large number of people who 
you know, generalist copywriters would have been quite difficult. But this was a way for me to use my unique experience and expertise and background to help clients on some very specific problems. So, yeah, this is why I'm a big fan of niching as well. Yeah. <laughs> and did you share your story I guess you know the fact that you'd had that health scare mm. did that play into when you were talking about why you were a healthcare writer or did you keep that to yourself yeah it's definitely part of the story because it's a big reason for why I do this um, I think it depends on the clients that I'm talking to uh, which aspects of my background I kind of emphasize you know I mentioned that I'd done this master's in health policy so if I'm working with organizations that maybe want to try and influence government in some way then that would be interesting to them mm. if I'm working with the sort of solo business owners who maybe work directly with uh, consumers then maybe my personal background is a bit more relevant there because I can really empathize with uh, with their clients so yeah it's definitely a big part of the story and I think we should be sharing our story as freelancers because you know, we, we should be thinking of, of ourselves as businesses, but ultimately people are hiring us because of who we are. So, you know, you don't have to share everything about yourself. So I do do it in a kind of a, a deliberate way. Um, but I do think that sharing your story helps people connect with you and find different things in common. Mm. Where do you share it? Like, so you have it on your website? Yeah, it's on my website. I talk about it on LinkedIn those are really the two main places where I do marketing, I would say. <laughs> yeah, because you mentioned that you're not on, or that you're not really on Facebook. So LinkedIn is your main social kind of like, that's your putting yourself out there marketing channel kind of thing. Yeah, that's right. I think probably about a third of my clients come from LinkedIn and mm. the remainder come from referrals and repeat clients. I do use Twitter as well. So probably I shouldn't spend so much time on Twitter. <laughs> So how much time would you say you put into LinkedIn, given how much it brings you back? Like, do you have a rhythm to it or? Not really. I'm quite flexible with it. I think that the only the only plan that's going to work is the one that you can stick to, right? So there's no point coming up with this fancy LinkedIn strategy if you actually hate spending your time there or you're going to get burnt out or you're too busy with client work and you can't stick to it and it just gets really stressful. So generally, I try to just be consistently visible show up fairly regularly, engage with other people. And, you know, it's it's not just about sharing your own content all the time. If you don't have enough time to create content of your own, just amplifying other people's content, replying and cheering them on, and just kind of getting to know people and build relationships in that way uh, really goes a long way because then those people might hire you or they might mention your name to other people who might hire you. Uh, so there's a few different ways to approach it. Uh, but yeah, generally just trying to be helpful and be genuine, I think. How have your services changed over the past five, six years? Because it, it sounds like you're listening to your clients and mm -hmm. adjusting. Yeah, they have changed quite a lot. I think when I started out, I felt like... I need to do every kind of copywriting. So website copywriting, blog posts, email marketing, sales pages, ad copy, like everything. And it's so overwhelming because each one of those things has its own set of best practices and there are different skills and expertise that you can develop and all these different things. And it was really overwhelming. And I felt like each project I started, if it was very different to the one that I did just before, 
I was kind of starting from scratch each time thinking, oh, so how do I do this? Let's figure it out again, (laughs) which wasn't that efficient. And it meant that it was quite tricky to think about pricing and talk about my services on calls with clients. I was kind of always just having to start that thought process from the beginning again. So over time, I really narrowed down my services quite a lot. So I know exactly what I'm doing with them. I know how to price them. I know how to talk about them. I've been able to build up a portfolio that really includes the kind of projects that I want to do more of. So I just keep emphasizing them. And then when I'm speaking to new clients, it just feels a lot easier, really. (laughs) Yeah. I meant to ask, your company or your Mm. website, I don't know whether it's your company, but Mm -hmm. it's the, which I love, by the way, the copy (laughs) prescription. So good. So the copyprescription.com, is that something you started out with or you, you came to? Yeah, I did start out with that. I kind of was in two minds about whether I should use my own name or whether I should have a business name. And in the end, I decided to go with a business name for various reasons. And there was, I went through so many different options trying to find the URL and they were, they were all taken. I was like, oh, I'll just be like healthcopywriter.com or something like as <laughs> if I could get that. Uh, so yeah, but I quite like, you know, the name is, it's a bit long winded and a bit kind of clunky to type sometimes. So it, that's maybe its downside, but I think clients find it kind of amusing sometimes. So yeah, it definitely does the job. So yes, I've had that since the start. It lets you have fun with your um, with your imagery and your messaging and stuff, doesn't it? Your particular one. Yeah, anyway, yeah, I'll, definitely. Uh, yeah. There'll be a link through, of course, to Louise's website, <laughs> as there are for all of our guests at beingfreelance.com, so you can go take a look. And so, so that's the main way that you put yourself out there then. So through LinkedIn in particular and then referrals and stuff like that. Do you blog? I do have a blog. That's something that's definitely on my to-do list for 2022. I think I'm really trying to pay attention to the things that actually work and, like I say, narrowing things down, not uh, trying to do everything all at once. So I'm really like not using Instagram anymore. I'm really focusing on LinkedIn as the way to get new clients and uh, narrowing down the services that I'm offering there. So, yeah, I do a bit of blogging. I've got a newsletter, but I'm trying to be a bit more deliberate about thinking about what do my clients actually need. So do they need a newsletter? If someone comes to my website and they probably already know me from LinkedIn anyway, or they've heard my name from somewhere else, which is a very nice feeling to have as well. Do they need a newsletter? Are they coming to my website and they already know that they want to talk about a project? Then maybe the call to action should be go straight to the call rather than saying, hey, let me just distract you with this other thing that I'm doing. (laughs) So, yeah, I think I'm trying to think about these things a bit more carefully this year and hopefully make life a little bit easier in the process. (laughs) I like that. So like experimenting with it. And so that might mean that you also bin off the newsletter in that case yeah I might do that I don't know there's definitely a tendency to feel like you have to do everything but if you if you have a newsletter and you enjoy it and you get lots of clients through it or it's just something that you enjoy doing that's the main thing isn't it yeah Uh, I feel like sometimes the newsletter is a bit of a uh, it's something on my to-do list I'm like oh I have to do that and in some ways that's why I've really enjoyed starting a podcast recently because it's something different when I'm working on uh, writing blog posts or writing a newsletter that's so similar to what I'm doing for my day job 
that it's quite nice to have a different format to play with and experiment with outside of that. Yes, I was going to ask because, you know, that whole <laughs> life is busy enough. Let's start a podcast, <laughs> Yeah, um, which is brilliant. So 15 minute freelancer. What made you because because there's the thing, though, right? So it's not aimed at your potential clients. No, it's not, which is an interesting decision, isn't it? <laughs> well, you see, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to judge because I'm sitting here making a podcast <laughs> yeah. called Being Freelance. So I've had that same thing as well. I did it because it just it felt like a good thing to do. Mm. But yeah, in hindsight, you know, it's not a client thing. Um, yeah, what, what, <laughs> what yeah. was your thinking? <laughs> well, so this started as a kind of fun project in one of the first lockdowns uh, during the pandemic like really long dark days and you know we weren't able to go out and do things I just felt like all I'm doing is work so let's do a bit more work no I was looking for a, a, a some sort of fun project where I could learn something new and I really I really enjoy talking about freelancing and I, I really want other people to feel like it's possible to have a sustainable and successful career doing freelancing and I don't know I just felt like this could be a fun way to talk about that I figured that a lot of freelancers struggle with finding time to work on their business rather than in it. So if they could spare just 15 minutes a week to think about the bigger picture or specific questions that arise, then that might really help. And yeah, it's been a really fun process. I still feel like I'm learning so much. And, you know, when I was starting, I was thinking, oh, there are already so many amazing freelance podcasts out there. Like this one, obviously, like, who am I to even think of doing something like this but actually I think we've all got slightly different things that we like to talk about different things to offer and there's always a different way to do things so you know I wasn't thinking I'm going to do hour-long podcast interviewing people because Steve's already doing this in such an amazing (laughs) way I there's no no need for another one you know what could I do that's different that I'm going to enjoy that might still be useful to other people and I thought recording a nice little 15 minute bite-sized podcast will be so easy but that's not really true either a lot of the episodes it's almost like a blog post an audio blog post it's like you thinking about a particular topic to do with freelancing has that helped you with your business sitting there and thinking about it before you hit record yeah it definitely has I think when You know, I felt so grateful when I was starting out as a new freelancer for the advice and mentorship that I was given by other people. And, you know, I kind of want to pass that on or pay that forward and support other people starting that journey. But there's definitely an element, a selfish element to it as well. You know, the topics that I decide to talk about each week are often things that I've been dealing with that week. Like maybe I had an awkward call with a client and I think, what what should I have done in this situation? Or why was this difficult? Or how can I remind myself of the the way that I would like to do this in an ideal world? So yeah, definitely having that outlet, having that way to express, you know, what would I tell someone else who was doing this is definitely a lesson to myself sometimes too. Mm. Even though it's not aimed at your potential mm-hmm. clients, has it helped you in your business I think it has it's a bit tricky to attribute any new clients specifically to the podcast but I've definitely had an increase in traffic to my website and I think I've had quite a few clients who say they've listened to it so it might be existing clients who've listened and they quite like getting to hear behind the scenes and what it's like for a freelancer so it's been quite useful for existing clients because they understand a bit more about what um, how I work and that kind of thing And I think for, 
new clients who've come across it uh yeah the same thing really they can hear a bit more about my per- they can hear my personality they can hear the way that I approach my business so I don't know that's obviously not the goal the goal is really just a fun side project that may or may not help other people uh but yeah I think there has been a little bit of a knock-on effect on business as well yeah I bet as well you know because everybody likes to help other people and Mm -hmm. you quite clearly come away from listening to it knowing that you are a health copywriter so therefore mm-hmm. if anything ever were to come up where somebody needed a health copywriter you're going to ah I know one of those <laughs> yeah well it's almost like I planned it that way <laughs> back with Louise in a moment but just want to remind you that this episode is also supported by the lovely people at HREFs it's a wise move when you're freelance to try and get yourself some Google traffic to get yourself ranking higher for whatever it is you do. I imagine Louise as a health copywriter with that niche probably does very well at this. Anyway, some of us need some help. And for that, I suggest checking out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools. It's free, as in genuinely free. Ahrefs audits your websites and then helps you prioritize what you need to do to try and improve your search rankings. Get that search traffic coming in and the thing is if like me you don't really know what you're doing when it comes to seo and you don't understand some of the terms you just click on a little button and it tells you what it is and then helps you figure out how to fix it that's what i love about it because i've been using it on the beingfreelance.com website for a while now so try it for yourself go to hrefs.com slash awt hrefs is spelled a-h-r-e-f-s hrefs.com slash awt you can also find that link at beingfreelance.com or open your podcast app right now and you'll see the link in the show notes and once more thank you to hrefs for supporting this show okay back to our chat with louise what have you found the bigger challenges you know that you've chewed over being freelance i think the biggest challenge for me is probably having a work-life balance or work-life integration some people like to put it it's really just, I find it so hard to switch off and take time off. You know, I think this is probably a really common challenge for freelancers where you are, your business. There's always more to be done, isn't there? Even, you know, like today, I don't have any client deadlines today, but I've still got a huge long list of all the different things that I could be doing to attract new clients, to write a new marketing plan, to sort out my uh, my free agent account, you know, all of these different things. There's so much that we can be doing. And so it's really difficult, or at least I find it really difficult to switch off and take time off. So I'm always kind of thinking about work. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because, you know, I do really love what I do. I'm always having new ideas, which is a lot of fun. But yeah, it's probably not that healthy. I I think I do need to get better at at planning further into the future so I can have holidays. Otherwise, I just go from one project to the next. And then, you know, before you know it, it's two years and you haven't had any time off. (laughs) Uh, Is it it as bad as that? (laughs) Well, that is... No, I have had some time off in the last two years. But, you know, I don't know if the last two years count, do they? We couldn't have proper holidays. Um, I mean, that said, I don't really work that many hours or, you know, I'm not working long, long hours during the week. I probably just do about five hours a day, but they're spread out. I like to have walks and a long lunch and all that kind of thing. So day to day, I think I've figured out the time management thing. I I just never stop. (laughs) Ah, you see, that's a good balance in itself, though, isn't it? I I think so. It works for me. I really enjoy it. I can't imagine switching off for a whole weekend and not at least doing one little thing here and there. 
but I do think it's important to give our brains a break from the business side of things at some point. <laughs> yeah, because it is quite possible just to eat through your lunch break. Can't you? Obviously, yeah. you eat through a lunch break to work whilst <laughs> sitting there eating yeah. or, or to not take those breaks or to feel like you should be sitting there for eight hours when in fact maybe mm. you can do it in five uh, I just can't do it. I, I couldn't sit and concentrate on writing for the whole day. My brain just runs out of juice after a certain yeah. amount of time. I've been experimenting with theme days for a while and that's worked quite well. Or even just having chunks of your day where you focus on a particular kind of work. So ideally I might do all client work on Mondays and Tuesdays and then Wednesday is a day for marketing and then Thursday is a day for all the kind of admin stuff and Friday's maybe just a, a day where you do whatever you didn't manage to do on the other days. And and that has worked really well when I've managed to stick to it, but it's quite tricky. Life doesn't always work out that way. <laughs> mm. I do you think there's a lot of a lot of value in being able to decide that you're going to spend a certain amount of time on a certain kind of task and you're not context switching and jumping from one thing to another all the time uh, or answering calls or checking your emails in the middle of trying to write a white paper or whatever the project mm. is because it, it just doesn't work you're just going to get distracted and your focus just disappears but yeah it's easier said than done for sure <laughs> uh you mentioned like bigger picture things uh, mm -hmm. in passing is that something like are you somebody who sets goals who takes time to sit back and think about things yeah I I do try and think about this I think if you don't make any plans or you know you don't set any goals then your business will just kind of plod along in its default setting which might be fine that might be a good setting but if you have things in mind that you'd like to do in future or, you know, you've got ideas about how you want your business to evolve, then you do kind of have to make some plans for that. So, yeah, I think I tend not to set very specific goals. It's more about things like time management or things that I want to get better at. Or, for example, this year, I'd quite like to try and do a few more four day weeks. I haven't been very good at sticking to that and just having a bit more space around the business. Um, I think it's quite interesting. I feel like at the moment, I'm kind of at that growing pain stage where a lot of the systems are ticking along nicely. I've got a really lovely group of clients that I enjoy working with and I could keep doing that for a while. But you, there's always that kind of itch to scratch about what else could I do or do I want to grow this? Do I want to start hiring more people? And I'm I'm not really sure that that's for me, but it's definitely things that are interesting to think about for sure. You said hiring more people. So does that mean you've hired some people already oh well n not really I do outsource a little bit here and there I think I've definitely fallen into this autonomy trap where <laughs> I started freelancing because I wanted to work for myself and then I felt like that meant I had to do absolutely everything myself to the point where you actually have no freedom because you're having to do all this work so yeah I'm that's been on my list for this year as well so I've just started working with a new virtual assistant which is amazing and I already feel such a weight off my shoulders and feeling more organized with with that and getting help with other things like editing the podcast which I know absolutely nothing about so hopefully <laughs> the quality will be as good as this one soon <laughs> what sort of things are the virtual assistant helping you with that's going to be ad hoc projects so the way that 
my um, my client work tends to run is I work on longer projects with people so I don't actually need a lot of support with inbox management which isn't something that I know a lot of people get help with through their VA so we tend to do uh, longer you know ad hoc projects uh, so maybe helping me sort out my Trello boards or you know figuring out what my LinkedIn strategy is going to be and doing research to support that um, all that sort of thing you know the things that are on your to-do list that just keep rolling over into the next month and not ever getting quite done if I figure out what my plan is going to be for the newsletter then they'll be able to help with that too <laughs> <laughs> um, a lot of experimenting and trial and error <laughs> while you're mulling all of this sort of stuff over and making this progress is it all I mean obviously you did philosophy so you love to think mm-hmm. is it all in your own head slash going out on the podcast or do you have other freelancers or business mentors or whoever that support you and you you talk to about things with yeah it's it's kind of all of those things a lot of the ideas and the systems are in my head and so working with a VA is amazing because she's helping me put that down into proper systems but yeah I do work with other people a lot I think community is really important as freelancers you know when I started out I thought other copywriters would be my competition but that's really not the case you know other freelancers in your industry whatever it is not just copywriting you know they're not the competition everyone offers something slightly different so when we see each other as a community rather than as in being in competition with each other then the results are better for everyone so and I think I was quite lucky to discover that really early on and, you know, through communities like being freelance, it's amazing. We've just got this ready-made group of people who know how you feel, who've been there already, or maybe going through the same issues. So, yeah, I think that's everyone's just so generous with their time and advice, and that's really been amazing. So that's a, that's still a huge part of uh, my freelancing world. I have done quite a few different masterminds and courses and things like that, and I think they're really useful. I think it's good if you can think about what your goals are for the year and what you want to focus on. It's very easy to get distracted by the next shiny thing, isn't it? And think, oh, I'll do that course. <laughs> but yeah, I do. Th- I do think that's some. That's definitely part of my kind of value system is to keep investing in learning. Uh, I've worked with a business coach as well last year, which was really, really helpful. So that was very useful to just kind of sit back and 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 look at that bigger picture and think, what, where do I want to go over the next year, and what am I finding challenging? It's almost like therapy for your business. <laughs> I was going to say, like, what, 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 what did you find you got out of it? Oh, wow, that's a big question. I think I've got a really clear idea about what I want my services to look like over the next year and understanding which, which ones are best from a business point of view, but also which ones are really fulfilling and how can I deliver them in the most effective way that works for clients, as well as making business sense for me. Where, where could I be more efficient with my systems? A lot of mindset stuff as well, you know, especially talking about money or uh, feeling like you have to make up the difference when there's scope creep and things like that. Or, you know, being able to set boundaries and stick to them. Having a coach has been so useful to kind of practice some of those conversations. Because even, you know, if you've been doing it for a while, there are certain things that you're maybe just used to talking about so it feels a bit easier than it did in the beginning but as your business grows there are new challenges and new kind of difficult conversations that you need to have so that's been really useful so I would definitely recommend that. How did you know which coach to work with? 
Well, yeah, there are loads of uh, loads and loads of business coaches, especially on LinkedIn. It feels like everyone that pops into your <laughs> inbox is a business coach, doesn't it? It was through somebody that I knew had worked with other freelancers that I was good friends with. So kind of a word of mouth thing. And I mm. saw what amazing things they were doing. And I thought, ooh, how are they managing that? Who, who, which business coach are they working with? So, yeah, it was uh, through referral, really word of mouth always good you've mm. said systems quite a lot um mm-hmm. so what what did you what have you found particularly works is that systems in in how you deal with clients or yeah it's all of it really it's thinking about what the client's journey is when they when they work with you you know how did they first hear about you so that would be all your marketing systems through to how do they make a call how do you talk to them on the call how do you put together proposals how do you then project manage the project that you're working with them how do you close off the project are you do you have a system for suggesting ways to work together in future and maybe upselling them into other services or do you have a system to just kind of close it off nicely and get a testimonial and you know that kind of thing and then all you know all the systems that you need to run your business you know the financial stuff the day-to-day project management so yeah there's there's a lot of systems (laughs) when it comes to getting testimonials then how does that work for you yeah, I do. I like to do it in two ways. So I like to ask for a testimonial just as the project has finished. Hopefully the client is on a high after working with you. So that's a really good time to ask them about the experience of working with you. And then you get something really quick while it's all fresh in their mind. You can ask them about why did they choose you in the first place? And that's really important because that will help you. It helps you write your copy as well because it tells you how you're future clients are feeling right now if you can ask your current clients how they felt before they hired you so that sort of thing is really useful and you also get really good feedback about what was you know what worked well when we worked together was there anything that you expected that didn't happen and these can help these bits of feedback can help you improve your services too but I also like to ask for feedback a little bit further down the line as well so maybe say six months later go back and just kind of check in see how they're doing and see if they've got any data at that point about how the project has turned out Uh, and then you can find out more about the impact of the work that you did together so while the very first testimonial that you get initially is about the experience the later one could be about the impact of the work and that's really important that's really powerful when you're speaking to new clients because you can show the actual results that you've got for other people Mm. and again that's really useful for your copy I know as we mentioned websites change all the time but mm-hmm. as it's, as we record this i look at the top of your website and you have one of those little sort of announcement bars and it says got a project <laughs> in mind i'm taking new clients from and then it's the next month yeah um and then it says get on the wait list i was just wondering how long you've done that <laughs> and, and how you find that technique like are people yeah. are like oh cool yes quick quick get me on the wait list <laughs> like how's it how's it working for you yeah, I think it works really well. I think I was getting into this situation where I felt like I had to say yes to everything and it was really hard to plan out the time, especially, you know, things do get delayed and it's not necessarily anybody's fault, but it did. I did find it quite challenging to try and shuffle all the different projects around. So rather than have to say no to people straight up, I can just give people a bit more of an expectation about when I'll next be able to start a project and it gives me a little bit of breathing room as well. So that's usually about six to eight weeks or something and then I just have a list of people you know some people they need a copywriter immediately so then I can you know they don't obviously get in touch or if they do I can refer them to somebody else 
or other people, you know, it's actually quite comforting for them because they can think, okay, we've got time to get our plans together. We can say hello, get the contract set up, pay the deposit, etc. But we don't actually have to start the project straight away. So that's been that's been really useful, I think. Nice. Even if it's just in my own head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you you take a deposit on every project. Yeah, that's yeah. So uh, get fifty percent upfront, and then the remaining fifty percent on delivery at the end of the project now louise i always do this thing as you know where i ask for three facts about yourself to make two tree one a lie let me figure out the lie what Mm -hmm. do you have for me okay so the first fact is i once won a civil service powerlifting competition (laughs) yep and the second fact is my husband and i eloped to venice to get married and the third one is my first job was playing violin in a string quartet Okay. Now you mentioned getting into various fitness. I'm pretty sure you said powerlifting or weightlifting or something early on. But there, there's a specific civil service competition, it was there? Yeah, there is. There's a civil service sports society and they have competitions in all sorts of different sports. And you, <laughs> won, and you won the powerlifting? I did. This was a, quite a while ago. I'm not sure I'd be able to achieve that now. <laughs> wow. There's a surprising number of civil servants that are into weightlifting and powerlifting, <laughs> doing deadlifts in their lunch break. <laughs> Got to get that tension out somehow. Yeah. You eloped. Now, that suggests that the two of you just ran off and didn't tell anybody to Venice. Is that what yeah. happened? That is what happened. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> so nobody knew. Well, he did. Maybe one or two people knew, but generally, no, it was a bit of a secret. We were going to get married, and then it was just getting too stressful trying to organise a big wedding. So we thought, where would be a fun place to go? So we decided to go to Venice. That's so cool! <laughs> and we did our vows in Italian. Who knows what we even said? <laughs> <laughs> I often think that. Um, I got married in Italy. And oh, nice. Lit- I mean, I was struggling to order coffee. I have no <laughs> idea what I actually said. Who knows? It might not even be a real marriage after all. <laughs> okay, and then a violin quartet so what position did you play in the quartet <laughs> i i played violin so there's in a string quartet there's two violins a viola oh. and a cello so i was the first violin well it does suggest you actually know something about and where did you used to play then if it was a job that suggests that you were actually getting paid we got hired for weddings and parties and gigs events in the edinburgh festival things like that wow so how old were you then oh about 15 or 16 (laughs) okay did you run away and get married (laughs) um i like that story a lot i feel like that's true just because actually organizing a wedding is incredibly stressful so (laughs) the thought of you running away that sounds good powerlifting or violin there's just no way of knowing here. You were quite convincing on both. Uh, but, okay, I'm going to say you didn't win a powerlifting competition. You did play the violin. So I think the powerlifting is the lie. You are right. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know if there's a powerlifting competition. Oh, I was totally convinced that there was. That's br- <laughs> See, these copywriters are very good at spinning a yarn. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Now, if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would that be? Oh, you won't regret it. (laughs) Yeah, it'll be the best decision you ever made. That's how I feel anyway. Maybe others wouldn't necessarily feel the same way. Um, Perhaps something a bit more practical is you don't have to do everything. 
and as I kind of mentioned that's something that I'm still working on I think it's useful to remember that you you don't need to overcomplicate everything and feel like you need to be on every platform and do every kind of copywriting work with every kind of client because actually the more focused you are the easier that it gets so that's why I'm such a big fan of having a niche yeah and your your niche has clearly well I say clearly I presume that your niche has meant that from the very beginning, because you knew that you were targeting medical companies uh, and that you had so much like proper experience in that field and with all your government experience as well, that you, I hope at least, that you could maybe go in with higher rates? Yeah, I think so. I think it's a really, I mean... I suppose it's my experience is different to a lot of people who might start off as a generalist copywriter and then gradually find an area that they really enjoy or they really like working in. I kind of came at it the other way around. So it was the health that came first and the copywriting that came second. It kind of chose me, I suppose. Mm. And I think it's a really good way to be able to stand out and differentiate yourself from everyone else. And use your unique set of skills and experience to your advantage so like I was saying if I had just started out as a brand new copywriter with a brand new business it would have been really challenging whereas this was a way to really focus on what I was kind of already doing so I I didn't really have that imposter syndrome because I was genuinely talking about things that I knew about so it made the marketing much easier makes decision making a lot easier and yeah I think because you're able to come across as an expert because you you basically are an expert in that one very niche thing you can charge more I think so yeah it's definitely definitely something that I would recommend people think about Mm. and I loved as well the fact that because sometimes I talk to people who you know they they're thinking about leaving a job and and they want to do something freelance which is kind of what Mm -hmm. you felt at one point Mm -hmm. and you Mm -hmm. said about looking at what your skills were transferable skills and I think that sometimes people don't realize this big bank of skills that they've had from working within a company or an industry for so long yeah definitely because I I did really enjoy the work that I was doing before government I did some really interesting jobs and the fun bit about working in government is that you tend to move around a lot so I moved jobs every couple of years and that meant that I really was able to hone the ability to jump into a completely new topic and quickly figure out what's the core problem we're trying to solve here what's the main message who are the influencers who are the most helpful people to speak to to get the inside track and those are definitely skills that have stood me in good stead when I'm going from one freelance project to the next as well and when I'm able to talk about that with clients it's kind of it's just a different makes you sound it's something different to say to compare to everybody else and that experience in management as well I think helped me skip a few steps as a fledgling freelancer as well because I was used to dealing with very senior people and used to talking about money and things like that so maybe to a degree talking with new clients about contracts and pricing wasn't quite as scary as it might have been although Mm. that is something that I think I don't know if that ever stops being a little bit scary (laughs) (laughs) oh Louise it's been so good to talk to you go to beingfreelance.com as there are for all of our guests you'll be able to find show notes a transcript links through so that you can check out uh, Louise's website uh, find her on LinkedIn and of course the 15 minute freelancer 
uh, podcast as well hey you've already got your app out so you might as well go and find that right now uh, and whilst you're <laughs> there why not check out the podcast what i do for freelancing parents with frankie from the doing it for the kids community as well uh, that's funny enough called doing it for the kids search for that uh, but for now louise thank you so much and all the best being freelance thank you so much for having me <laughs> There goes Louise. Hope you enjoyed that. Don't forget, come find us in the Being Freelance community. You're not alone being freelance. And if you've enjoyed this, Being Freelance is made by me, Steve Folland. Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Being Freelance. Come say hi. If you've enjoyed this episode, please think about sharing it and reviewing it. Always much appreciated. Reach out to Louise. You'll know you'll find her on Twitter and LinkedIn. She admitted as much. And you can also support what I do with Being Freelance. So if it makes a difference, to you consider donating via my ko-fi page that's being freelance.com slash coffee okay i'm out of here you have a great week being freelance